0: Hey, this week we're joined by a special guest, Jeff Benjamin, who uh, announced last week that after what feels like a decade at 9to5Mac, a little bit less, is uh, leaving 9to5Mac and uh, launching a solo project called Cellular. And um, for those who don't know, 9to5Mac's YouTube channel, it, Jeff built it from scratch, <laughs> essentially, and, um, and brought in many tens of thousands of subscribers through... Years and years of hard work and great work. So, first of all, welcome, Jeff.
1: Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure talking with you guys.
0: Yeah, you've replaced me before, but I don't think we've ever been together on this on this show. No,
1: I think that was probably probably the. Um... Probably didn't attract a lot of of uh, listeners when I was no. Only,
0: people but. loved you. No, people I. Love your voice. That's that's when the emails come in and they say replace Zach. Yeah. No, I just wanted to say thank <laughs> the you first for covering for Zach the two or three times that you did it because that's very very welcome. Yeah,
1: yeah it was. There's was a lot of fun for sure. Yeah.
0: yeah, I remember the first week that I I was out and um, Mayo did the ad reads for me. Then we had, like, a few emails that were like, maybe we should always do the ad reads. It's so much better. <laughs> and then we're like, okay. Well, I'm like, okay. So <laughs> we just haven't changed since then. So, But yeah, tell us about about your project, Cellular, and what you've got planned.
1: Oh, man, where to start? So it's kind of weird. First thing people always ask is, like, why would you choose that name? Like, it's a, that's a dumb name. And, I mean, it kind of is, but people often confuse it with, like, cellular phones and stuff like that. But it's really, like from a, like a cell, like a human cell, like the basic building blocks of a human body or living organism. So it's kind of like that. Just my mindset was like a low level tech coverage in, in that sort of way. So like a molecular take on tech, that's sort of my tagline. Um, but it's funny because this actually was like conceptualized back in 2011. Like if I go out there to the YouTube channel, I see where it was registered in 2011. So, um, it didn't actually launch until like four years later in 2015, that was like cellular 1.0. And it was actually a podcast. Like that was the whole point of it. That's the reason why the TLD is FM .fm. cellular.fm. So I had like interviews with ones like Detroit Borg and Austin Evans and some of the bigger YouTubers, um, um, Matthew Pierce from TLD. And it was all about like covering what it takes to, to cover tech uh, in a low level style. So that's kind of where that went. And then obviously I joined 9to5 in 2016, I think. So like a few months after I started Cellular. So that just kind of went to the back burner now, kind of restarting it now.
0: I remember being in Las Vegas for CES just before you joined. And um, Seth Weintraub, the founder of 9to5Mac, he was showing me, he was like, I'm trying to, trying to get Jeff from IDB. What do you think? And I'm like, that would be amazing. I <laughs> didn't think it was really going to happen. And, um, you know, fast forward all these years later, and you have been 9 to 5 Max YouTube channel. Um, talk about some memories from from that experience or, you know, things that sent out to you.
1: Man, a whole lot. Like, one of my favorite things, and I often think about this, is like, um, was it the Apple Watch Series 3 with cellular? Was that? hmm do you remember that, like that big leak? Was that the, was that the Series, series four 3 was the or was it leak. the Series 4? It was series, a Series 4, right?
0: Yeah, the redesign, yeah.
1: I just, I remember exactly where I was, like mm-hmm. what we were doing. And it was like that whole day went into slow motion. And it was yep. just like probably top five moment of just the excitement in the Slack back channel was just. Yeah, because that, that was <laughs> iPhone
2: was... XS and Apple Watch 4 at the same, um, but that got leaked on the same time by us and they were both like yes i mean the, the tennis wasn't as much of a design change but it was a design change and you know you had the colors and the the cool logo and then the apple watch was like this crazy thing because it had that watch face with the random corner complication and everything and that everybody's freaking out that was that was a really cool day
1: <laughs> that yeah. was that was i'll never forget that so that's definitely like top five but i have a lot of others as well just a lot of it just hanging out with the guys in slack and just talking
0: I would say like your signature video style. There's a lot of things that are unique about them. But the one that stands out to me the most is having almost like, uh, I don't know, like you've hit some long run times.
1: (laughs) Yeah, 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 for sure. Like that's another like thing that stands out. It's like people are like, I need to get some popcorn or this should be in theaters and stuff like that. That's always, that always feels good when... And, and the thing I really love more than anything is just getting emails from people, like saying, hey, this really helped me. Like, there's no better feeling than than that. Like and receiving those emails really does make up for the uh some of the nasty YouTube. That you get <laughs> sure. Can you
2: remember how long your iOS 15 like all new features video was? Was it two and a half hours or something like that?
1: I think it's definitely somewhere yeah, in that ballpark know. for sure. <laughs>
0: Release the director's cut. It'll be that's normal. what
2: I love though. Like before, I like wrote for Fantasy for Mac and stuff. I was, I was exactly that target audience. Like I wanted a video or a post of like literally everything that's changed in any shape or form to the smallest detail. And nowadays, some you know you get some nasty comments that are like this is stupid. why does anybody care? But I think there's loads of people out there that like me, like you, you know, like you cared about that stuff to such a degree i like if it's a two and a half hour video you don't have to watch it but like there's plenty of people out there that exactly want exactly that and i've always considered you as like the the flag bearer of that kind of video like top 100 features stuff and and not just like here's the top 10 features they said in the keynote repeat it out but like going through the betas for two days finding every tiny change and then writing it up (laughs) like a lot of other um channels do do that these days but i've always considered you like the leader on that from historical context
1: yeah yeah i appreciate that man it's it's always nice when, when you see comments and are like, yeah, I actually watched this 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 whole thing. Like, It's it's always impressive because I'm like, I can barely watch it.
0: <laughs> well, going forward, we'll definitely look at your work at Cellular and um, reference that so we learn more because it's very difficult to find the new feature in an iOS release and it not be in your video already. You know, it'll be like, that was in minute, that was an hour one, minute 32 or something. <laughs> so, so you're going <laughs> to keep doing that for the iOS 16, iOS
1: 16 I, coming I, up? I think so. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I kind of love doing that sort of thing, but really just staying within the Apple orbit space, so to speak, and, you know, doing some more Final Cut Pro stuff is something I wanted to focus on. iOS and iPadOS, of course. Also cameras. I, I love cameras. Uh, so I did a video recently for 9 to 5 on the R5C, which is a Canon sort of like hybrid mirrorless. Uh, camera and then just typical tech stuff evs not trying to reinvent the wheel or anything but hopefully people uh, will appreciate it a little bit
2: well on final cut pro i mean that's like in the news big time at the moment because there was that open letter that they did in april and uncharacteristically apple actually like did a formal response to it only a couple of weeks ago like, yeah. that was pretty crazy
1: yeah, that was. I wasn't expecting that at yeah, all. Yeah,
2: so they committed to, like, what, new features, although they, they said, you know, we're going to work on our feature roadmap, they're going to launch new training products, and they're going to establish a panel of industry experts for regular consultation starting in the summer. Are you on the panel? Yeah, are you on the panel?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm not on the panel. I would love to be yeah, that,
2: that, that, that Yeah, that wording reminds me of, like, the Pro Mac roundtable they did in 2017 when they were, like, starting off the Pro workflow team, and that was obviously encapsulated video editing but that was more like industry-wide which meant like compatibility and, and a, a, uh, support for avid and the other things in the industry whereas this is like specific to final cut pro and they obviously like doing that is an is a big deal for apple to commit to so that'd be really interesting to see how that actually plays out like there are words and then there's actions but they they've delivered on the words for sure
1: yeah for sure i I am a strong believer that video is sort of like another language, like learning another language. It's it's almost going to be to the point where you really need to know how the basics of editing video to communicate, right? (laughs) To communicate with people, period, in this new age we live in where everything's video. Uh, So I kind of feel like that's just a fundamental thing that kids should be learning in school and and that hopefully i can play some small role in helping people get better and there's
2: that. chances that final cut might make its way to the ipad at some point right like because the iMovie solution that apple offers is terrible like, iMovie on, on yeah. ipad is really it's even worse than the mac version right it's not even like comparable
1: and they, they do so. clips yeah. now which
2: is their like equivalent but people want like professional editing solution and obviously the uh the, the consultation and the open letter are recent is a is Ia from know like hollywood editors and stuff that final cut isn't available or not approved by their directors and managers to use because of the whole debacle that began with the final cut 10 rewrite but as an individual contributor as an individual person i i think you'd agree that final cut is probably the go-to option if you have a mac you know like why would you not pick it over the other solutions like it's cheaper and it's you the ui is different but intuitive right
1: extremely intuitive like once you get past a little barrier like it's not a track-based system like Premiere Pro or uh, some of the others out there, it's, you know, that magnetic timeline just makes it so much more intuitive, especially for new users to get into. Um, so to me, it's, you know, definitely the go to for a Mac user uh, to use. Are,
2: are there outstanding features that you're still waiting for or is that you know that kind of stuff in that as reference sample letter is like specifically for the pro community and like hollywood kind of kind of workflows you know what i mean
1: yeah a lot of that is specifically for like the avid community people that are using you know avid media composer and stuff like that which is like the standard for hollywood um by far but um you know, there's a lot of smaller features that I wish that Apple would implement. I, I can't tell you how many times I've gone to like their little you click the Apple logo or the Final Cut button and say submit feedback and I've they're probably tired of hearing me from me by <laughs> <laughs> So um yeah, but there's a lot of smaller things. Uh but Apple to their credit, they have added a lot of like missing features such as the ability to have uh, motion tracking built in. So you don't have to rely on a plug-in. And uh, there was some new audio stuff to reduce background noise that they recently released as well. So they are iterating a pretty impressive clip, but there's still a lot of things that, you know, professionals in Hollywood um, need.
0: Well, uh, let's see. So uh, you don't have to say anything about this uh, future plans or anything, but uh, just to comment, you picked a great time of year to um, start anew with WWDC around the corner. Uh, there's uh, plenty of things to, to to make of that. Yes, yes, there is. Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> we will especially miss you. Then, um, you mentioned EV coverage. What's sort of something that you want to want to do with cellular that doesn't quite fit what you could do within the the network at nine to five? You know, we have electric. We have nine to five Mac. What's something that you're looking forward to to doing on your own?
1: I really want to get like into, and this is something I could have done and actually did plan on doing for electric. Uh, just, I just never got around to it, but like sort of the same style videos for iOS kind of do it for, I don't think it's, they have an official name for their OS. I don't think, but for the Tesla operating system, like really getting there and showing people what this car can do. Um, especially for prospective buyers and even for those that have had it for a while. There's a lot of little nitty-gritty things that I don't think a lot of people realize you can do with Tesla's operating system.
0: My first question is, when, I, when I'm driving a friend's or renting a Tesla, is how do you engage autopilot? And I always look it up and then I've, I remember, um, but that's, that's a big one. But yeah, that, that's the thing is, you know, with the iOS betas, you don't have to wreck your phone to see everything new with your comprehensive videos. Well, you don't have to own a Tesla to get the nitty gritty of the experience, you know, of, of what all the details are. And that's something that, you know, there's so much yeah, value in
2: that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't even drive, but I still look at that stuff from time to time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it becomes even more relevant as, you know, Apple gets closer to that industry, too. Like, because the Tesla cars, they look really cool and stuff. But I think it's fair to say the software UI is lacking in many departments. And it could definitely do with like software design experience there.
1: Quite that's a forward. few. Uh, I mean, yeah. one thing that obviously stands out as an Apple user. You guys know what I want to say, but there's no Apple Music support. That is, that pains me. Like, why? Why is that a thing? (laughs) That should be, that is the lowest of lowest hanging fruit that you can get.
0: And Apple Music seems willing to partner with anyone willing to partner. So, Yeah. Well, if you ever get into, need a consultant for motorcycles, space, or punk rock. i For sure, man. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, Well, where should everyone uh, go to continue following your work?
1: Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Binjam. You can also visit—it's uh, not completely done yet—but Cellular uh cellular.fm is the website, and of course, Cellular on YouTube, Cellular FM on YouTube. Awesome! Thanks
0: so much Thanks, for talking Jeff. to us, Jeff. It's been thank
1: it. you so much for having me. Appreciate it, guys. Keep up the great work.
2: Happy hour this week is brought to you by Lumen. All right, let's talk skincare. If your routine is basically just washing your face in the shower, it's time to listen up. Maybe you're using that same shower gel or 3-in-1 product you've been using since high school. What you thought was good enough actually probably could be damaging your skin. Thanks to Lumen, you can drop that bottle of 3-in-1 and start using products that actually take care of your skin. With Lumen, you can get the highest quality moisturisers, cleansers, shampoo, body wash, and more. All of their products aim to help with things like stubborn acne scars, under eye dark circles, wrinkles, sun damage, dry skin, and more. Starting with Lumen is so easy just take their two-minute quiz at lumenskin.com slash happy hour and they'll tell you exactly what routine you need to address your particular skincare needs and all of their products are made using only natural ingredients ingredients that actually work including licorice root extract rose flower oil charcoal powder ginger green tea, and charcoal and you can care for your skin by setting aside just 90 seconds a day to use their products they sent me a few of their items to try and I honestly think they're really great including the exfoliating rub and the charcoal cleanser. The charcoal cleanser feels especially great on my skin and it all comes in nice little tubs of packaging with simple instructions to follow written on the labels in plain English and they have a product called the dark circle defense which you can dab underneath your eyes at night to reduce the appearance of dark circles under your eyes. I suffer from that baggy eye look a lot and the dark circle defense definitely is makes a difference. So level up your skincare game with Lumen Skin today. Go to lumenskin.com slash happy hour to get your free trial of Lumen's products. That's spelled L U M I N skin.com slash happy hour to get your free trial of Lumen's products. One more time, lumenskin.com slash happy hour. Thanks to Lumen for sponsoring the show.
0: All right, Mio, I have a correction to make and with my deepest apologies last week i misspoke and said that the base model Mac Studio for two thousand dollars included one terabyte and i really do mean it when i always say i regret my error the base is 512 gigabytes and you have to spend two hundred dollars to get one terabyte twenty so two hundred dollars i regret the error because that means i gotta pay two hundred dollars yeah now that means you're now even less likely to do it yeah, well <laughs> the, the the bigger thing i think more than the two hundred dollars and maybe i don't know this is probably just totally wrong of thinking but that I can't just walk into a retail store and get the base model in stock and walk out like I'm sure that there's other configurations in stock as well but that that's if as, as the only upgrade I'm not sure that that's the 220 $2, $2, $2 is, is available <laughs> so, so yeah
2: they'll have other options but it'll be like the storage upgrade plus the chip upgrade or whatever like they won't just have the base model plus the storage right they only stock like three or four models and three or four configs so they and they're not going to change just one spec they'll change a couple to like exactly yeah. price bands yeah yeah
0: so it'll be a custom order uh, if and when this happens um and if
2: you order a Mac studio today it will take like 3 three months to get it right or something especially <laughs> with a custom order they're not they're not readily available correct yeah so, so that is successfully Made you
0: not do so, what so I think you shouldn't do. Sure, my, my plan is when the Mac Pro with with Apple Silicon comes out, people will, will then want to upgrade from their Mac Studio. And <laughs> I'll watch the market for those. Um, also, this week, we got uh, Ming-Chi Kuo delivered a HomePod rumor. And um, the rumor is very welcome, I think, for you and I, which is that Apple plans to release a new HomePod model in Q4 of this year, if not Q1 of next year. But um, that, that's that's I think that's sooner than I would have thought. And it certainly seems like Quo means a model above HomePod Mini, not Does successor he? to HomePod Mini.
2: I, he he on My opinion of his tweet was it was unclear whether he meant a HomePod Mini update or a new HomePod model.
0: Yeah, I did say that. And
2: so I tweeted him mm-hmm. HomePod Mini or a bigger HomePod
0: question mark and he didn't answer me. Right. And the one detail he does provide is that design wise, there's not going to be innovation. I think is the way he put it. Yeah, he basically he, he, he
2: suggested it wasn't going to be very different. So that to me suggested it wasn't going to be a model above. It would be a replacement. It'd be a refresh of the HomePod Mini. Yeah.
0: What do you do with the HomePod Mini though? Like, how do you update it? You give it faster processor,
2: slightly better sound. <laughs>
0: Who cares? No, but like
2: Amazon do that with their speakers. They do spec bumps to their. Echo stuff all the time, and most years people don't even notice, yeah. right? But you just make it—it's it's incremental improvements. And they, I could easily see them doing a HomePod Mini update equivalent to how they update the iPad base model iPad with a slightly improved processor every year, with the same design and otherwise same functionality for four years in a row. Like, what's the iPad? Is it the tenth generation, ninth generation? Like it, that number goes up so high because they always bump it every year, even if it's incredibly incremental each time.
0: Yeah, is it uh, the S? Is does it, does it use an S? Apple Watch. He used the S five chip. S five chip. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Huh. (laughs) Well, which was the old Apple Watch chip, right? Right. From the series. So if they're gonna do a new, which was like the Series four, exactly the Series four. Uh... The only difference was the always on screen and the So I think spec wise, that was it. I think S five chip is in the Series five watch. Yeah, but it's a new name for the Series four. I remember it wasn't any faster. Like it, it was a new name, but the only difference in it was that it was the always on display performance was yeah. identical yeah uh anyway uh, hmm we'll, we'll see I, I i'm down for it i mean i like
2: any any signs of life for the home pod department are good okay yeah it, it's a pretty low bar yeah uh, obviously what we want is a bigger one right or a medium That's one everybody you know? wants or at least i want yeah yeah and they're obviously working on this Home bar, thing, sound bar combo, FaceTime Never going to ship. Device. Never going to ship. Oh, that, I think it's going to come out. I like saying but... it won't ship, though. <laughs> what, like Apple won't get into sports? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's how you uh, make it happen, yeah. That's how you make the change that you want to see. You just pretend like it's never happening it's... and they'll do it the very next event. The, uh... So is there
0: anything else, Zach, that you don't want to happen uh, in two weeks' time? I do not want free iCloud storage to increase. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's very appropriate for 2022. <laughs>
2: Well, one thing—well, one thing that we might we could see, I guess, at WVC that isn't confirmed, but we might get a sneak preview—is this AR VR headset thing. Yeah, right? yeah. You know, and the information had a profile up to date feature. Mm-hmm. What if it, a long story split into two parts for unknown reasons? Uh, on the inside story of why Apple bet big on a mixed reality headset, the the storied history of the headset is. I'd say relatively well-known for a product that isn't actually out yet. Mm -hmm. Like We know it started around 2015. We know that at one point they wanted to do it like a thing that was tethered to a computer. And then it was like a portable device that you carry in your pocket that was connected to the headset. And then at some point around 2019, people going all the way up to Johnny Ive found out that it was going to be tethered. And they didn't like the tethered experience. They wanted it to be a standalone consumer product a la an iphone or apple watch right because uh, like the apple watch is untethered but it's still dependent on a phone so there's some leeway there but you don't have to carry around like a separate computer just to use the apple watch uh, the apple watch can be on its own and so that's what johnny ives and the design team wanted for this headset which then meant that the progress of the project had to be changed and that's why it didn't ship on its original time scale because they're originally planning a headset that wouldn't have to have all the equipment in the little actual headband place itself it could be in a separate thing maybe in your pocket or across the room and it would like wirelessly communicate to a base station uh, so that's why it didn't ship in like 2019 and so then they set the new goal of 2022 and this new idea of it being an all-in-one independent device then of course covid happened so the fate of shipping within 2022 seems unlikely so it's probably going to ship next year but their original plan was it's going to be announced maybe 2020, then it got delayed in 2021, then it got delayed in 2022. Consensus, not just from the information, but other publications, seems to suggest that the headset's approaching being done and it's probably going to come out next year, right? Or at the end of this year if you're really ambitious. And so a preview at WWC isn't out of the question, a sneak peek, whatever you want to call it. I don't think it's likely. Like they're probably going to reserve it for a September event or something, but it could be a WWC thing. We'll see. From the information report specifically, there are. I I don't want to like recap the entire history of the headset because, as I just said, I think it's relatively clear for an unclear, unreleased product. But there are some interesting little tidbits that maybe inform what we're going to actually see when the thing is announced. One of the interesting things from the information report is that Johnny Ive is actually more involved than you might think. Like we always make the joke that you know Ive went off to Love From and Apple remained a primary client Love From. But has Johnny Ive actually done anything for Apple since leaving? Apparently. Their headset is something that he has actually had decent active involvement in, including like actual design meetings. And when it, well, the way the information phrased it is that if industrial design team members would call in Johnny to try and help their case for a future for a design decision about the product, i.e., we'll get the big guns in just to say you know get our thing moved. And the ideas of Johnny Ive wanting it to be an independent device had been upheld partly because he's still overseeing the project. Which I guess makes some sense because obviously he was actively involved in the headset when it was first conceived, when, and he was still in, you know, in the chief design role at that time. Um, but if you want to see a product with Johnny Ive's active involvement, it seems like the headset is going to be one of those things. Even if he's not like day to day doing it, it's relatively frequently they're conversing, getting his opinion, taking him on board, or considering his his point of view. So if you care about Johnny Ive, that's an interesting factor. Um, the technical details that have maybe been rumored left, right, and center, but seem to be haven't really had like a firm base. And the information is decently well sourced. So I'm taking this with decent levels of accuracy. They're saying that the headset is going to have a front-facing transparency mode, and that's my uh, summation of the feature because it's quite a hard thing to describe in a short amount of time. But a, when I say transparency mode by normal standards on a mixed AR VR headset, you would think that, okay. You can see the world, right? Like uh, how you have AirPods Pro and you put on transparency mode. You can hear the world rather than it being noise-cancelled all the time. With an AR VR headset, you have transparency mode in the sense that you can see what's in front of you by the fact that you haven't got like goggles on that can that are just transparent. What you've got is cameras pointing outwards that take a video of the world and then they show that in your eyes to make it seem like you're not you're just wearing glasses, even though you've got this fully encapsulated headset on. Well, the information goes one step further and says that. Apple's headset will have the front-facing transparency mode in the sense that other people will be able to look at you and see your eyes even though they're covered up by the headset. And the way this is apparently going to work is there's cameras inside the headset that face you take video of your face and your eyes and then that's then projected on outside screens on the front of the headset. (laughs) Which is bizarre. I'll tell you the justification that the information says is why Apple was going ahead with this. The industrial design team did not like this is around twenty nineteen. Did not like the idea that the product was so isolating from other people. So a compromise was made where it would show your facial expressions to other people in the world by the fact that they're projecting it through screens. I think you, I think you suggested your feelings in this act by your by your sound, but you want to expand on that slightly.
0: Sure, <laughs> my eyes are my eyes, and my eyes two inches further from my face or not my eyes you know you can make the you mm-hmm. can make the illusion but it's going to be weird
2: you think there's going to be some like uncanny valley effect right totally
0: <laughs> it's to be, and it's, it's
2: going to be kind of bizarre yeah know? like yeah almost creepier than just it being completely opaque <laughs> yeah it's less true to form in this way than... it would have to be like perfect recreation of what you would see if you had like goggles on you know for it to feel non weird to me. Even. And I don't think they're going to achieve that because when you look at someone's face, you see them in three dimensions. You see the depth of their indentations yeah. and their nose and stuff. Like these screens, they can be super high resolution. They're still going to look like flat planes of your face and your eyes, raised above them. your it face. It very bizarre. From your face, yeah. Yeah. And then this headset is still a big, bulky thing that you're not going to wear out and about all day long. So you're still going to likely wear it inside. Just a single room where you're not necessarily going to be interacting with other people too Hopefully. much. So yeah. it's kind of weird that these things is going to have external facing displays to show your eyes. But I'm not. It's such an out there thing that I'm not like doubting its <laughs> veracity. You know, like yeah. why would they say this if they weren't pretty confident this was actually going on? Yeah, and they even carry. They even build on it. It's not like a one time comment. And it, cause at, at first, when I read the story and I saw that, I was like, oh, this is something they just like tested in development. And then they, you know, it was just like a prototype and they tried it out. No, this is going ahead. They say, uh, the information says the headset has 14 cameras in total, which allow it to capture everything from images of the outside world to facial expressions and body gestures. However, the industrial design team have impaired the video pass through uh, <laughs> because, so this is, this is talking about, um, when they say video pass-through, they mean the normal like transparency mode of you looking outwards at the world, right? Quote, because Apple is also putting display on the outside of the headset, so because they're doing the front-facing transparency mode, which will show video images of a user's eye and expressions to people around them, it couldn't position the outward-facing cameras roughly where users' eyes will be for the internal transparency so you can see the outside world, which means that the view that you're looking at to see the outside world is not optically perfect because it's not exactly where your eyes would be because they need to keep that space clear so that other people can see the screens which is like a you know a hack upon a hack yeah the information is apple's trying to fix this with software by uh, converting the perspective um and this made me think of do you remember that uh that feature that was in ios and i think they brought it back but it it got it got introduced as part of facetime it was like facetime eye correction in a random beta and like two years ago mm-hmm. or three years ago and what it would do is you'd look at your phone on FaceTime and if you were looking at where the you were looking at the screen so it would adjust it so your eyes were looking forward i.e. offsetting the parallax of where the actual like, webcam is based on where the display is. You remember this right? Yes. And when this came out there was a lot of backlash about it. People were like I don't I can't live with myself that Amper is projecting a different version of me in the, in the Apple version of me. It, the, the feature got dis- taken away for a while and now it's back again as a toggle. Um, but this sounds like they're going to be doing that kind of magic, but for the entire vision space, which is uh,
0: interesting. <laughs> Center shades is a better solution than the weird eye trick, but yeah, it, it did bother people. Uh, just, just, so I can't wait yeah. for my entire reality
2: to be corrected by Apple machine learning.
0: Yeah, this. Uh, uh, <laughs> I've been wor- I've been working on new material, and my, my new joke is that Apple should just focus on TV shows, <laughs> not this weird stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, the information also says that RealityKit, which is Apple's framework,
2: will be the only way to build apps. I mean, that's not a surprise. iOS UIKit is the only way to build iOS apps, in practically speaking. Although they do say that there'll be like some support for the Unity game engine. Uh, that's in terms of a full 3D, 4D immersive experience games. There'll be a compatibility mode for iPad games, i.e. 2D games, to also work. They'll probably just be like projected in front of you if you want to like enjoy them, but you don't care about being immersed. Uh, there are no game controllers being designed, however, by Apple. What Apple is attempting for input is hand gestures and a close pin finger clip. So like a little like thread needle thing that goes over your finger, like a thumb. I don't know what the name of it is. But you know, like those little like cup things you put over your thumb. Um, is it a thimble? That's thimble, that's what I'm trying to say. So imagine that on the end of your finger. That's apparently how you're going to get input on this thing. Mm. It runs on the statin chip, which is the M2 chip which obviously could be named anything but we assume it good m2 it's the chip that will be seen in the ipad pro and the macbook air coming up right um and however also there's going to be a separate image processing chip to reduce latency which is supposedly assist with the camera stuff the information says they need two chips because the the designs around the cameras was changed halfway through and they couldn't adapt the original silicon to change it so they're having to make two separate chips but they'd rather have one i guess we won't know whether that's true or not when until we see like the second generation headset and we'll see if Two chips have become one. Yeah. But we'll see what happens there. Um, And finally, if you read the information article in full, they, they don't say this explicitly, but you do get the general sense of like Mike Rockwell's team have found some cool technology and they're trying to fit a product around it rather than, you know, a solution. Like it's like a solution in search of a problem rather than a problem in search of a solution, which doesn't feel great for the future of, you know, Apple's business. But I think, at least my current sp- perspective, before Apple has actually shown this off for real, I think we said this another day before, the first generation headsets, not going to be particularly compelling. Apple wants to do thin and light glasses, but that's still like five, seven years away. They can't just do nothing for seven years,
0: so this is what we get in the meantime. If you pitch it as an entertainment device, then I think that's pretty appropriate. Uh, and, th- and there are use cases where people use these things for pro- productivity, for like virtual meetings. And I just got to say, you know, I guess two things: the no gaming controller thing, you know, that's probably that's that's probably pretty good. Um, with the Oculus Quest Two, Meta Quest Two, the one one of the cool experiences was seeing the game controllers through the screen, but like like in a virtual space, so that it, it mm-hmm. recognized those objects, and that, that's kind of a cool, you know, and maybe practical feature as well. Um, but no game control. You don't have that, but maybe you have other objects that get recognized. Um, don't know, but, um, but yeah, it, 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 I, I think that's also kind of my takeaway from the quest too, was that it really is an entertainment device. It's like a version of a gaming console that can also play videos and do other things, but it's, it's mainly for gaming and, you know, it, I can also imagine at the beginning that Apple just uh, <laughs> they they have one of those TVs moments where they think of all the different things this could be used for, and that there's software to back it up, and that people just kind of fit into the natural uh, routine of you know entertainment, and that that yeah, they
2: just let them figure out. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's where it lands. Um, but that we'll see the Airbnb app for this, and we'll see the the shopping networks and everything. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and also cool technology looking for a product. Yeah, I yeah yeah at least these first generation
2: ones right like i can see the appeal of thin light glasses but they're not coming anytime soon
0: yeah that's what all all vr seems like um ar of course will have a much different uh, a much smoother way of integrating with real life but for for the headsets right now it's kind of a relief to take it off and be back in your version your real world space and not the the virtual one so yeah, I agree there. And then lastly, we have this Mark Kerman report that kind of gives a status update on the headset, which is that the board, the board, Apple's board has been dimin- they've been demoed a, the product, I guess, near its final form. Yep,
2: a late stage prototype was demoed to Apple's board of directors, which is something that always happens when Apple's getting close yeah. to shipping the new products. So that's why that's that's like that's anecdote is kind of like fuel for the fire for it to be previewed at wwc right because that's like you know they previewed it in the middle like the two weeks ago why would they preview it two weeks ago if they weren't going to announce it very shortly would be my logic there so
1: yeah
0: do, do you think there's any scenario that makes sense where they show off the ROS and uh which i think we should call pirate os is because we'll the r <laughs> but uh <laughs> that they show off the operating system and not the actual hardware well how would they show it off virtually <laughs> <laughs> well, just like it's a big, it, it's a big video. video
2: of a of nondescript hardware i think that's kind of if you if you're if you're going to show the os you might as well show the hardware
0: yeah yeah especially the, they're probably pleased with the hardware too if they've they've got something they want to release um
2: and i think if they've been sensible they need to position it as developer-ish hardware high-end not mass consumer product so they don't need like a super splashy introduction it can be a sneak peek as like a you know the, like I think a good position is if they introduced it as like Apple headset, Apple Pro headset XDR. You know, like do you know what I mean? To like make it on that same level as a Pro Display XDR in terms of market positioning, because we are still expecting this thing to be two thousand, three thousand dollars. It's going to have limited appeal, and so if they introduce it as just like here's the Apple headset with the RRS, it's going to sa- it's going to it's going to appeal. They're going to like artificially make it interesting to people that are never going to actually want it when it ships. So. I think in, they could introduce it in a subdued fashion at WWDC. I,
0: I think it's very possible. Yeah, should I get the Mac Studio or the VR Studio? Same price. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah, well, uh, If it's not, if it's not a WWDC, it's got to be sometime this year. They're going to at least tease it. I'm, I'm interested to see it. I'm not convinced that it's going to be a smash hit. And maybe Apple doesn't think it's going to be a smash hit either. Happy Hour is also sponsored this week by New Relic, as well as doing this podcast. I make apps, and if you're a software engineer, you'll relate to this. It's late at night, you're unwinding, and bing, 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 your phone is buzzing because something has gone wrong. Maybe the app isn't working, customers are complaining, maybe the server's down. Whatever it is, there's a mad scramble to try and work out what has actually happened. Modern software is so complicated, and there's so many layers of the stack that could be at fault. What New Relic does is offer comprehensive and precise system monitoring so you can quickly hone in on the problem and fix it. You don't want to have to need to deploy the entire team messaging each other late at night to just trying to debug this one issue. So what New Relic does is it combines 16 different monitoring products that you'd normally have to buy separately, but it's instead in an all-in-one offering. So engineering teams across the front end and the back end can see the entire state of software stack in just one place. And that's why the dev and ops teams, at companies like DoorDash, GitHub, Epic Games, and more than fourteen thousand other companies are using New Relic to debug and improve their software whether you run a cloud native startup or a fortune 500 company it takes just 5 minutes to set up New Relic in your environment that next 9pm call is just waiting to happen so get New Relic before it does and you can get access to the whole New Relic platform and 100 gigabytes of data free forever no credit card required sign up at newreliccom hour. that's spelled n e w R-E-L-I-C dot com slash happy hour. One more time, newrelic.com slash happy hour. Thanks to New Relic for sponsoring the show.
0: All right, next up, I, I want to go back to late last year when I was talking about my iCloud photo experience where I had botched my library and lost a lot of photos and videos, a lot. Um, I, I ended up last Friday, I wrote uh, I, was, I, was, I was waiting in a car dealership for my uh, air conditioning to be repaired. Yay. And um, I thought, you know, finally time to write about this. And so I kind of reemphasized uh, a story from like, 2015, seven years ago, where I wrote about the best way to back up your iCloud photo library, you know, emphasizing that, that you know, syncing your photos is not backing them up. That if they, you know, go away from one place, they go away from all the places. And, um, you know, kind of laid out what we discussed here before, which is, that you know, the easiest, best way to back up your photos is on a Mac desktop or if you have a, a a Mac notebook that's got just a whole lot of storage, but um, an always on Mac desktop connected to, you know, either with enough storage or connected to an external drive and then back that up, you know, through time machine or some other cloning software. And then if you botch your photo library, like me, you don't worry about it because you can just, you know, go back to a previous date or, you know, hour or whatever of when your whole library was saved intact and that won't go away for a while. Um, and I also mentioned that I was going through Apple support to, to try to, you know, fix the error. And, um, that experience kind of fizzled out. I, I, I had went through several layers of support and it ended with a survey sort of, of like, it was answering questions of what happened and, you know, I, I guess just trying to diagnose and rolling out some things. And so, um, so that, that that you know basically it comes down to you it. it it's just was like okay i have what i have and i don't have what's lost oh well you know it sucks but yeah so to fault. be clear the support service kind of failed you right because you filled the survey and you didn't really get anywhere else i filled the survey and that was the end yeah <laughs> it was never a <laughs> thanks for your answers or based on that we have you know there was never even a, a declaration of uh no solution <laughs> it was just <laughs> survey then done um i assume it went nowhere but, uh, but yeah, you know, and, and in writing about that, it just kind of reinforces this this feature request that we have of, you know, a better solution for backing up your sync to library, whether it's from an iPhone or an iPad, where it's most difficult, or a Mac notebook, you know, and one of the main points I made in the piece was that, you know, Mac desktops have got to be the smallest percentage of the pie when you consider iPhone, iPad macbook and and you know a mac desktop (laughs) so the majority of folks are probably not making a backup of their photos and and some people wrote in to say i use different three different cloud services you know i use google photos i use uh Photos, and and whatever else and that still feels very risky to me because i feel like if you break something somewhere it's going to sync to all those services as well unless they're being disconnected and um only reconnected periodically uh
2: so you know, you started by saying like a sync is not a backup, right? Yes. And it, semantically, you're correct, but there is a there is an element of backing up because like, and I'm not dis- obviously I agree with you, but just to just to widen it slightly, right? So if I have all my photos only on my phone, okay, I don't have iCloud Photo Library, I lose my phone, I've got my I haven't got my photos anymore, right? So I've got no backups. If I've got my phone and I've got iCloud Photo Library turned on and I lose my phone. I can get a new phone and get my library back. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that is a backup, right? But what what the... the and similarly, if you had then had iCloud Library, you lose your phone, but you've got another computer, you've got all your photos on that computer. The issue is, if something goes wrong or you delete photos accidentally or software deletes your photos accidentally, you know, or a bug happens or, you know, which is kind of what happened to you, like, multitude of factors. Let's say iCloud Focus library believes you've deleted these are 1,000 photos from your actual photo library. What iCloud Photo Library does is it syncs that deleted state to all your devices so those photos no longer exist and those photos are no longer backed up. You only have a state of your library based on what iCloud Photo Library believes aren't deleted pictures. So so what really you need is you need a backup of like moments in time so that... If you act like, even if, even if you decide one day, do you know what? I don't actually want this photo anymore. Delete. You wait 30 days because that's how long it takes for iCloud Photo Library servers to actually delete the image. Two months later, you're like, you know what? I actually did want that picture. iCloud Photo Library can't help you. But if you had a backup, like a proper backup, you could go back to like the time machine of three months ago and just pull that photo back out or pull the whole bunch of photos back out if something terrible went wrong. So that's kind of what you actually need is you need like, snapshot backups of moments in time going back three months six months a year or something right um and the other cloud services like google photos and stuff i believe they do work slightly differently so like icloud is very um aggressive if you delete the photo on your photos app right it will immediately be like time to delete everywhere right the way you can set up Google Pho- and i don't use google photos but my understanding is you can set up google photos in a way where it will back up your photos but if you delete from your local library or like your photo structure on your fo- on your laptop it won't delete it from the cloud immediately and it's not like it's not like setting a flag to say it's time to delete this picture i believe it just sits on the cloud for ages until your storage runs out um and so that does act more of a direct quote-unquote back again it's not addressing all use cases because again you could still like edit your images the edit sync stuff could be corrupted this corruption sync like but at a general level what we're really getting at is that stuff that gets deleted in iCloud land if you're using iCloud like photo library or iCloud photos it's now called they just get lost and you've got no recourse some other cloud servers may work slightly differently even if they do work slightly differently and you want to use them a i don't really care because i want to use iCloud photos and b it's still good to have manual local backups anyway because you don't want to entrust your entire life to cloud services as much as cloud services are incredibly convenient and most of the time will give you the backup that you need. Like, I keep offline backups of stuff. Have I ever used them in the last seven years? No, because I just restore from iCloud or Dropbox or mostly iCloud these days. But do I want to entrust my entire faith and soul into the iCloud service or the Google's server or anything? No, I still want a local backup of at least... A subset of my most important data and that data includes photos so the issue at hand is that apple should offer a way for you to easily be able to back up and do snapshot backups of your icloud photos ie and immediately the option that jumps to people's mind is the mac option of backup is time machine what's wrong with time machine the problem with time machine is Let's say you're using a laptop that has limited storage and most people's, like, you can even have a laptop with a a lot of storage, but you have a photo library of even more because photo libraries are huge these days, especially when they include videos and stuff. So you've got a 512 gigabyte laptop, you've got a terabyte of photos. You can't fit all your photos on the laptop, so you have to use the optimized storage stuff of uh, iCloud photos, which means it only keeps a subset of your pictures. What does Time Machine back up? It only backs up the subset that are stored on the local drive at one particular time, what you'd like to be able to get Time Machine to do is back up all of your photos, including the ones in the sky. Right now, that is not possible in any way. Is that
0: fair? That's fair. And I, I suppose that brings me to my solution, which is I, I to, to, you know, to do a proper Time Machine backup on the Mac, you need to have optimized storage turned off and download all photos and videos turned on. And of course, you know, mini max all enough storage for that. So the solution is connected to the external drive. So I have my photo library on an external drive so that they're all downloaded locally. And then I have a second drive for time machine. And then by default, it doesn't back up the external drive, but you can go in and the time machine settings and system preferences and then say uh, include the external drive so that that's that's backed up with time machine just like your internal drive. And um and so then when I'm connected to that drive, I've got my library local access to it very, very fast. This is great. You know, no loading at all. No small resolution images that have to download the full resolution. Um, they're also backed up. That's great. When I'm on the go and I'm not connected to that drive, I'm traveling or I'm just not at my desk, then the folio library isn't there. But the workaround solution is they are on iCloud.com. So I can, if I need to access photos for some reason, I can go there and see them not in the photos app and that also just made me think hmm maybe a hybrid solution here would be would be nice too i mean the bigger thing is that you need to have there needs to be a way to 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 you know back up full resolution photos and videos locally like if you're on an iphone and an ipad that's i don't know how to achieve that without some wizardry but um you know it, yeah there's no <laughs>
2: if you just got an iphone and an ipad you can turn on ic photo library but there's no way to copy all those photos off to somewhere else right in, in in any sort of practical manner
0: right right just impossible yeah i mean you, you could do an i you could do a um the classic itunes backup to a pc or mac but you need to have enough storage to hold those backups and so you might as well just have your photos and videos there
2: anyway. and that requires another computer like you can't yeah. do a itunes backup from an iphone to an ipad for instance right it's just impossible right
0: right <sighs> so so that's where we are and it seems like a, you know I think Time Machine is a very good idea. That It isn't just a, a static clone of your information, but it's, it's like snapshots in time of information. And, and there's just been no feature like that with iCloud. It's just...
2: Yeah, iCloud, Time Machine, that's what they should do. Yeah. You, 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 you designate a local drive or a connected drive on any machine, including if you want to do it via an iOS device, because I know some people use iPads and they use the little USB C port and they can plug in external drives, right? So I think it should be supported on iOS as well. But I would use it on the Mac. Um, you say I want to use this drive to back up everything that I have in iCloud, and it would act like Time Machine does, but it works on all of your iCloud stuff: documents, data, and most importantly, photos. Yeah. And so that drive would just have a snapshot from. Right now, a snapshot from a month ago, a snapshot from three months ago, a snapshot from six months ago. And it doesn't matter what you change on your iCloud account at any particular time. The snapshots are immutable, right? They cannot, if you delete a picture, it's not going to be deleted from your hard drive, your time machine hard drive, until your time machine hard drive runs out of space, then it deletes the oldest snapshots. And if you get into trouble, you can restore from said snapshot. That is what I think they should do. They can, they could do that just in software. like. You could just have an option in Settings or System Preferences, which allows you to do that, like it could be an, a, an updated time machine and just lets you pick and say, don't just back up my drive, back up my iCloud drive, and then that'd be okay. They could also offer a hardware solution. They used to offer the Time Capsule, which was basically a slightly nicer way to do time machine by only buying Apple stuff. They could make a box that doesn't need to be connected to any computer at all, completely independent little device that you just plug in at home, you connect hard drives to it, and it just does backups and you can talk to it wirelessly somehow. Like if you're if you're talking about an iPhone and iPad only solution, buying a hundred dollar box that can basically be your little iCloud time capsule, you supply the own drives, you connect them however you want. I think that's a a great product that should exist. And are a lot of people gonna buy it? Sadly not, because nobody likes backing up anything, which is why thankfully, cloud services, iCloud in general, are okay enough for a lot of people that they kind of scrape by, but the reality is Apple should at least have a solution to do this, and right now
0: yeah they do not. Uh, or you know yeah I, I need the EU, the EC the European Commission I need them to uh, push for third party system level backup services so you know I- iCloud's very easy. funny you should mention that. <laughs> yeah the way
2: that I currently hack around the iCloud situation it for my mom because I have it I have my just compute my photo library is smaller so i i don't have your because you have loads of photos right like I used to, yeah. <laughs> my photos on my laptop are, thankfully can still fit on the internal storage so i don't have a, that problem of having to use optimized storage so i can just do a time machine back of my laptop and i'm and i'm, and I'm dandy right when it gets to the point where i'm overflowing the terabyte i, will, I don't know what i'm going to do but my mum's situation she uses iCloud photos right she backs up there but I would like, because they're family pictures on mum's account. Because again, Apple doesn't have a family iCloud solution for photos. So there are plenty of pictures on mum's account that are pictures of me when I'm young and stuff and as for you know when I'm a baby and all sorts of stuff. So I'd love to keep that backed up. I can't really expect my parents to do anything but use iCloud because uh, anything beyond that is way too technical. So I take the responsibility of managing it. What's my best solution for doing local backups of that? My solution is go to privacy.apple.com. Right, yeah, which was basically yeah. enforced as part of GDPR in 2016. So you can somehow thank the Europe, Europe for it. It's available worldwide because Apple offered it worldwide. Go okay, so to privacy.apple.com. Right, this is so it's such an insane hack, but it does work. You log in with your iCloud account. Okay, you go to select data to export. You pick photos. You then give them an email address. Then in seven days' time, they will send you zip files of all your photos from that snapshot in time. In 25 gigabyte chunks. Yes, that's so right. So if you've got if you've got a hundred gigabyte library, you get four zip files that you have to individually download as 25 gigabyte zip files. Okay. So what I do is periodically, a couple of a couple of times a year, I request my mum's information. She proves it with a two factor code. Blah, blah blah blah. They all download. I download them all. I just shoot them off to a of, to the Synology as a backup and they just sit on there even in their current zip file form. Uh-huh, sure. Just in the, the last ditch effort if iCloud fails us for whatever reason, we can unzip all the pictures and they'll be they'll be
0: there. Yeah. That's good... that's currently how I do it. It's kind of insane, but it does technically work. It does, yes. And in this story I mentioned that one support sort of ghosted me <laughs> that I finally realized I was like, you know, desperate for the next step and I finally remembered that exist and I thought, "Man, when this process started, you know, 2 months ago, I probably could have gone there and this would have been the solution. Um, I mean, the, what I did was contact Apple support and say like, hi, I, you know, I, I, I nuked my library on accident and um, you know, can you, it, I don't have a look on, I, I can't look at your server, you know, but I kind of feel like maybe they're, they're still there somewhere. You know, it has, yeah. has, hasn't been say 60 days yet, you know, 40 days, 30 days. Um, and and that's when the, the process began. But I think if in, from the beginning I would have remembered or have been suggested to use that feature that that might have saved me. Um, and, and that's what I included. That's what I included in the story, too, is, you know, if you are desperate and you're on iPhone or iPad only, then you can request those. And even on an iPhone, you connect external storage. And I'm pretty confident that you could point your downloader to that mm-hmm. drive. Yeah. And download. Yeah.
2: yeah. Down. Uh, Safari will let you download to any location. Right. So yeah. you could. You could download to the external drive, yeah. yeah sure.
0: So that that's the in the meantime, link. If, if you're super serious about this, then that's the way to, to do that. I'm glad you mentioned it because I did include it in the story and, and just hadn't mentioned it here. Um, last thing I'll say is, um, you know, aside from like losing things that were important to me, there is a little bit of like the nerd in me, like technical uh, adventure of of working through this problem. And I came across an app called Power Photos in the process. And um, the one thing that I use Power Photos for, but I think it could be useful for, for lots of different scenarios, but it's the ability to merge two libraries. So if you have um, one photo library and you have another, if you, I don't think there's a system way to do it where you, you know, like drag and drop or anything. Um, I, I especially don't think you can take two libraries that are not local on your Mac and merge them. I think they need, you know, to be local. But even so, I, I ran into an issue with storage even with the external drives where I couldn't like drag all the export all the photos and videos from one library and then import them to the other, because that was another giant pull of data. But I used Power Photos and I was able to put one library on an external drive and then have one on another external drive and then merge those two into a single library. And it has some pretty good tools for avoiding duplicates and that kind of thing. The one issue I ran into with Power Photos is all of the live photos that have three seconds of video attached, it brought in the three seconds of video. So if I look through my library right now, it's got a lot of videos, but a lot of them are just three seconds from the live photo. And that live photo, I guess, wasn't preserved. Um, And so my next thing to look at is, is a tool, if not Power Photos, something else where I'm able to look at. Videos that are three seconds or less, and then mass delete those. Um, I tried smart albums, and there's that doesn't quite fit there, so that, that's the next thing with my existing library. Um, like, I guess last, lastly, is that I do have <laughs> uh, Synology, um, with with two, I believe, four terabyte drives inside, and um, this is something I'm putting off until way later, but eventually, I would like to connect those drives through whatever adapter to have them read on the Mac and maybe run. I don't think there's anything on them. Like if you look at the drives right now through Synology, but um, I'm, I've also not used them since I've wiped over them. And so there's some hope that maybe something's recoverable there, but um, hmm. yeah, <laughs> that's where I'm at uh, power photos. If you're curious on the Mac, I, I had a good experience with that, and does it does more than just merge your libraries, but um, I think that's nice. And there's a lot of different photo photo apps that let you look at your photo library, a cloud photo library, that isn't through the Photos app. So um, that that's included in previous sponsor amazing That's an option. That's right. Yeah. So there's 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 some good options there. So um, if you define yourself in this predicament and you do like tech uh, tech adventures, <laughs> then um, it is one that has its challenges and it will fulfill that part of you.
2: Happy Hour This Week is also brought to you by Collide. Collide sends important and timely security recommendations to your employees right inside of Slack. That means they get custom security advice and general information as Slack alerts appropriate for Mac, Windows, and Linux devices. Get started by visiting collide.com slash happyhour and sign up today. That's Collide with a K. And as a Happy Hour listener, you can get some free swag by signing up. So don't forget to enter your email when prompted to receive your free Collide gift bundle After trial activation, Collide is perfect for organisations that care deeply about compliance and security, but don't want to overstep and be so invasive that they merely lock down employee devices to the point of them being essentially unusable. So instead of frustrating the people working for you, Collide is an educational tool teaching security and device management practices and directing them to fix important problems. This includes things like getting developers to set up passphrases for unencrypted SSH keys, securely storing two-factor authentication codes, and convincing employees to uninstall evil browser extensions that may be invading their privacy and selling their browser history to third parties. You can try collide with all of its features on an unlimited number of devices for free for 14 days. No credit card required. So get started at collide.com/happyhourtoday. That's spelled K O L I D E K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash happy hour. Enter your email at that URL to get a free swag goodie bag after signing up to a trial. One more time, that's collide.com slash happy hour. Thanks to Collide for sponsoring the show.
0: All right, this week Apple released not one, not two, but three new Pride bands and uh, one new Apple Watch face. Um, I guess the way I would describe there's one Apple Pride band. And there's two Nike versions of the Pride band, and those are um, rainbow colored stripes, One with a, a white base and one with a black base. And then the Apple one is rainbow colored stripes. But and it's they're they're sport loops. But on the Apple one, the sport loop, the part that wraps around itself and then attaches again is like frosted white and then mm, there's lighter yeah. yeah it's got like a layer over the colors and then there's the word pride written out and that part is not frosted white on top so that's it's like they've like double stitched that rainbow bit yeah.
2: with white so that it kind of covers it up a little bit and then they were obviously left the pride
0: wording on un, unstitched yeah. so it just shows through like normal it's just it's a different approach on an apple watch band than we've seen um so i thought that was kind of interesting i think the black one the black and rainbow colored nike sport one is like the most attractive to me mm-hmm. um i'd agree with that yeah but the it is it is just neat, neat and interesting that you see in another show. it's the same you know same band style but they've done a, a new design tweak to it um the other thought i had was that this is the season this apple watch series is the season for words on bands because they, I think, the first time they did that was with the, with the Nike band with like Nike written out in the check, and now we have the word Pride, and that just kind of brings in a whole new world of Apple Watch bands that you could have of whatever word. Imagine engraving your Apple Watch band with what you want. Oh my, yeah, with, I didn't even think about it. right within limits. Um, so that's that, and then the watch face is kind of another take on like threads to make up the colors to match the bands. A little bit different, though, this time you've got instead of, I guess, the the original one that did that had a digital clock just overlaid on top with white text in the typical fashion of of the basic digital Apple Watch face. The new one is more creative in that it tries to to present the time in the threads with different shading so that the time would be darker than the thread colors um, that make up the whole watch face. Uh, that's challenging. I've seen people who like the face a lot, but I've said it's kind of the, the hardest face to read the time, especially in the always on mode when it's I think it's maybe more blurred um, or at least less precise. And so that's that's my description of the new bands and faces. What, what what do you have?
2: I'd agree with you that the best band this year is the Nike Rainbow Black one. Of course, that comes down to personal preference, and people are going to have different opinions. I think all the bands are cool. If you wanted my best pride band i probably say the what do they call it the solo loop from last year they did uh braided braided loop the braided solo loop mm-hmm. that they did last yeah. year and they kept around like yeah that is like the coolest one i think they've done to date so far that was re- it was really cool um not sure i didn't like the face that year but the band was really cool the face this year pride threads so what it does is it like has the lines of colours, and then it puts a like shadow of the current digital time behind. Well, not really behind. They're like made up of those lines of colour because where they make the to try and suggest a shape, where the shape should be on that particular line, they kind of like make it thicker, and then it's like thin again for the rest of it. So you've got like ten individual. Threads that kind of expand and shrink to make up the shapes. If that kind of makes sense, it's kind of hard to explain visually, uh, auditorily. But if you see it, you see what I mean. And the, the the legibility issue that I have with it is that when you first look at the face, and I don't have an app, an always on one, so I just look at it. You know, raise the wrist. There it is. When you first look at the face, the the shadow of the text is very well defined, right? Like it's pretty easily read. But what happens is after about half a second. It animates those digits, and it kind of, like, perturbs those threads to, like, make them a bit thicker, make them a bit thinner, and make them, like, move around. And it's when they move around that the suggestion of the actual characters, of the digits, kind of gets lost. So it's at that point you can't read it at all. So if you haven't managed to read it instantly, you really have to, like, look at it to try and decipher what it's trying to say. It's an, an interesting choice. It's definitely artistic, but... The legibility issue does kind of prevent it from being a thing you're going to use on a regular basis because it it, it it looks cool but practically it's it's very much like form over function when it animates around and you're like that one has just become a blob yeah so. yeah
0: like r- right now for me it's 336 and when it was 335 it was especially hard to read that number <laughs> when you tap it they animate and, like, you lose the time, but <laughs> they animate.
2: Well, even if you don't, like, tap it,
0: they kind of, like, float around, right? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, they move up and down. It reminds me of um some versions of the captchas that I've seen. The captchas. uh, Or, or like, um the, the illusion of, like, if you can make out the number here, like, that. that's the illusion, that's kind of the, the, the riddle, you know, if you can see this.
2: It's almost like a negative space trick. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. When
0: you press it... It's a cool idea, but... Yeah. Not my favorite, uh, so, but I think it's cool. I think that you you can change the background. So when it's the always on version, is just the the black background version. That's what you get. Um, and you can set the watch face to be whenever it's active, white background. Yeah, yeah, to have a white background. Which is the the settings are on or off. Off is black. On is white. Um, and I think that's yeah, that's your only setting for this. So so no, yeah, you get
2: no complication choices for this band. Yeah, or, any, or for this face or anything yeah. like
0: that. Um, but yeah, it's. It's a cool demo. <laughs> Hard to read a little bit, but
2: um it's it's a clever like um cuz it's obviously being rendered in real time, right? So like they've obviously had to like compute it and where the the threads should expand and shrink. Like it's a it's a cool tech demo and like it's cool for like 5 minutes, but when you actually try and use it for a day. Now
0: it looks like 837.
2: Look, yeah, cuz <laughs> of the way they like globule around, like it's like very
0: wishy-washy. Yeah. This cool is, idea, though. It's kind of stressful. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. It's kind of stressful. It's a, I, I, I do like when Apple's creative with watch faces, and it's not just a new take on the same template. And this is certainly not a mm-hmm. like template. Um
2: yeah, do not take this as a criticism that they should do less. Yeah, keep doing more and like, more and more. Keep doing weird stuff. This
0: is good. This is good. Cuz this is
2: like even, even if you're not going to use it as a full-time face, there are occasions where you just want to be like casual and crazy. So it's like i yeah, will just pick this one that looks cool and you know, I can vaguely tell what the time it's for a day or yeah. whatever and then you get delete it.
0: 1009 like, the sample time where it's like, you know, if it was an analog clock the hands are symmetrical and the seconds on the center. Uh, that one works pretty well. So but when it's 338 it's a little harder. Now if if I move my hand forward kind of it seems like it responds to the motion too. Yeah, um, a little bit for sure. Yeah. That's It's a fun demo. <laughs> so so that's It's, it's fun. fun. Yep. Yeah. So so that's that. They, they they've they've done that so that, that's nice. Um what else do you think on watch faces? <sighs> Look, I'm going to keep bringing this up until it happens all the day I die, I guess. the the, the actual day the day of (laughs) like one last thing (laughs) i have one regret in life it's that apple did not do this
2: custom watch faces like every time they do a face i'm like this is so cool even even i don't i'm gonna use the face long term but it just shows another dimension of what they could use the watch face for but they only do like a new face a couple of times a year this is a they do a pride face seemingly every year at the moment i don't know if they'll keep doing that forever but they're doing it for now. Then they do like two or three faces with the next major version of WatchOS, and then that's about it, right? Oh, and then maybe if you have a brand new uh, watch design like the Series Four or the Series Seven, then they do. They usually spend a bit more effort and do another face or two to take advantage of the new screen, and they'll do some minor updates to the old faces. This year, we there are rumors that they're going to do a major refresh of a lot of the faces, which is welcomed, but still, you are going to have a the total number of faces on the Apple Watch is less than 40,
0: right? We we do get, we we have seen at least for the last, I don't know, maybe we skipped a year, but we've had Unity and Unity Lights.
2: Yes, they did Unity, yes.
0: Don't know if we'll keep having new faces though. I just want more. This is like, it's an endless pit of possibility (laughs) you know in the abstract it's like well we've got a lot of options here there's definitely a big range but it's whenever developers who play around with what could be possible and they present their ideas on twitter it's like oh yeah you couldn't do that now even if apple exposed the current template you couldn't do that now and it's a huge opportunity for everybody
2: in indie developers to make cool faces companies and brands to make faces and like you know, I think Apple doesn't even do enough with their own brands. They should definitely have like a TV Plus face with like Ted Lasso and stuff. Like all of this world of stuff, like anything that could be like a memoji and a, a um an iMessage sticker pack could have also been made into a watch face. It's on description. Plus, even more interactivity, complexity, advancements, dynamic stuff. Even individual apps like Carrot Weather. Like yeah, you can have Carrot Weather. There's a complication, but you could have it like take over your entire watch face and have, you know, the robot or whatever like shout at you during the day and have little messages and all sorts of cool stuff. Like it's basically like a, a two inch by two inch canvas for someone to do whatever they want to do and somewhere include the time in there. Like I think you could even have watch faces that don't have the time on them at all. They could just be an app that just runs as the whole watch face and it just gives you information when you glance at it and it's like way more richer than just
0: complications. If time session. stresses you out then you can not you can have the no time clock.
2: You can have the Johnny Ive completely white face,
0: nothing else. That's called flashlight. Yeah,
2: he just so swipe up. There are no rumors currently that they're going to do this this year, but every single year that goes by, it seems like they're inching closer to making it possible. So a very brief history: they did the Apple Watch came out, whatever. Then they did the watch face gallery, which made it like more possible for there to be a wider array of faces to kind of review and choose from. That was on the watch app on the iPhone. Uh, then they introduced Swift UI, which closed a big gap in possibility for making watch faces a thing in the sense that before that there wasn't really a developer-facing u user interface API that was capable enough to make rich UIs that could make decent watch faces, right? Swift UI comes along, you basically get free reign to draw on the screen by using the canvas element of Swift UI. Hence you could basically make any watch face, like any of Apple's watch faces that you see on the on the on the thing today, you can theoretically get pretty close with existing Swift UI Design components that are available if you spend the time to do it, and but nobody does spend the time to do it because you can't actually set them as your watch face. But theoretically, now the API support is there, and every single year Swift UI gets better, and it comes even more likely. The year after they did Swift UI, when they did the Always On uh, watch face, they introduced uh sorry, not that year, the year after they they introduced Always On. They then updated the SDK with what was called Timeline View, which is a developer component, and what Timeline View enabled is it allowed you to basically get your Apple Watch apps screen to update in sync with the always-on nature of the screen. So you know when they added basically the support for third-party apps can take advantage of the always-on display? Yes. Um this is exposed to the timeline view API, which basically is like an abstract way for the system to be like, okay, always-on mode is activated now, update your screen content to reflect the always-on state. Okay, always on is now disabled, make your app alive again. That component, that timeline view component, Doesn't just work for always on, it also works for like every single frame of animation and it could be easily supporting every single second, millisecond, i.e., a watch face update, right? So, again, more infrastructure there. Then they added the, I think this is last year, they added the like redesigned adding the watch face, which basically looks like a mini app store because you go to like plus and it has categories and sections, you get a, you click on a watch face, it has a little description, then it has an add button, like. Clearly, they could very easily like expand that to be like a store interface. We could have an even longer list with search and categories. They added the watch app store. They could easily make, expand that to include watch faces too. Uh now they're doing downloadable over-the-air faces like the Unity face we saw, like the Pride Band face that also like the one that literally the, the Pride Thread face that literally came out this week, used the exact same system where at the exact moment that the press rates went up, boom, it downloaded the watch face to with a little notification. You press one button, it's on your watch. It's all coming together. For third party watch faces the support keeps getting there, and every single year I'm like we're we're definitely not getting further away we're getting closer and closer and closer. all the technological barriers are getting taken down, and it's coming close to just being a matter of Apple policy and design you know human interface team being like okay we we'll, we'll relinquish some control to let the community out of this so every single year, it seems like the technological like place marks landmarks are being met and being Progressed through, and so I. It feels like we're on course for it to happen, but obviously it hasn't happened yet. Sure.
0: So yeah, I'll let I'll, you. I'll let you, this, I'll let you know when it does. Year. I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> tell you.
2: <laughs> I I've got so invested in this. I have lists of names of watch faces I want to build. Yeah. So that when the time comes, I can start doing it. Yeah. But yeah, you, you, it, could, you It's could, probably not going to be this year. You could do some fun things with that nine and five Mac logo. You could, you could. You could do fun things. The The possibilities are almost endless. And Apple could take 30% of every single purchase.
0: We have reached the point now where you cannot have every watch face on your watch at one time. I mean, you could, but there's a limit in place and they won't let you. So <laughs> we've reached <laughs> that at least. Finally this week,
2: we are sponsored by Pillow. More and more studies are showing that getting a good night's sleep improves your health and well-being in more ways than you can imagine. Pillow is an all-in-one sleep tracking app to help you be more aware of your sleep patterns and discover what might be affecting your sleep quality. Pillow tracks and analyses your sleep automatically, and you can check in with a full report of your sleep the very next morning. If you have an Apple Watch, tracking your sleep with Pillow is as easy as wearing it to bed. If you don't have a watch, you can do it through the iPhone or iPad app. Just tap a button to start your sleep session. You can even record sounds of the night, like sleep talking, apnea, or other noises that might be affecting how you sleep. Use the Pillow app to check trends, get personalized insights, and compare your sleep metrics with your weight, step count, caffeine consumption, and more. Use smart alarms to get woken up at the most optimal time, aiming to wake you up when you're in a stage of lightest sleep. Importantly, Pillow is privacy minded. All of your sleep and audio data is encrypted and stored on your device. And when it communicates with iCloud, it's using end-to-end encryption. Pillow is free to download from the App Store with a set of features that you can use for free every day and every night. So try and you can also try Pillow's premium features with a seven-day trial. Just visit pillow.app to get started. That's pillow.app to get started. Thanks to Pillow for sponsoring the show.
0: All right. Last up we have uh, a few a couple of things. So first is WWDC. Apple's released um some changes i would say to uh both policy and design on wwdc uh what do you got for us Mayo?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: so
2: first off they did the thing as they've done every single year where they obviously announced WWDC like last month or in march and then about two weeks before the event they actually do like the formal. Here's the keynote, and what a surprise! The keynote's happening on the Monday. I mean, woo-hoo, didn't didn't see that one coming. And this is when they invite formally, like send out press invites and all that sort of stuff. And they also like update the WWDC, sorry, it's now called the Developer App, with all the new WWDC schedule. And they finalize who's attending. If it was a lottery service situation, um, obviously this year we're kind of in this kind of like no man's land between fully virtual WWDC and back to normal WWDC. One thing that has changed is that stupid like Swift logo they used to use for the WC artwork has now seemingly disappeared altogether and now they have Power Rangers style memoji instead. Good, that's like goodbye. the lineup of five emojis in shadow.
0: Yeah. <laughs> goodbye Hunger Games, hello Power Rangers.
2: Yeah, like the old logo where it's just like a circle with the Swift icon in the middle was kind of kind of un- uninspired. This one's a lot cooler. And presumably as we get even closer to the event, they'll probably like light up and do other cool stuff too. Next up, I'm sorry, Zach, you are even more wrong than before <laughs> on the in-person situation because obviously they are inviting random developers to come in person and now they're inviting press to come too. So there is a media component in person. Unclear if the media are going to get the exact same experience as the you know, developer attendees or maybe they're going to get like special hands-on, special interviews, a different something or other that will be yet to be seen. But it is now confirmed that as I predicted would happen, press and now be invited to come to Apple Park for that day, even if the video, of the keynote, is still just going to be a video.
0: Do you have anything to comment on this one, Zach? I think I clarified in recent weeks that my my um, my marker for whether this is in person or not is if I get invited, and I have not. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, have you? No, no, and um, you know, Mark. I think last week was Mark going to the point of, oh, you know, wow. It was, um, Apple delaying their return to work um, to the to the three days a week requirement to two or less. Um, how are, they, are are they going to continue with this quote unquote in person component? And um, you know, it was kind of up in the air. But I would say that if they were to cancel it, then they they would have canceled the in person part. But what they have so far is still it's not a, it's not an in person event. No, it's not an in person event. No, no
2: okay what's your justification not being in person Uh, when there's people developers and press in somewhere together
0: doing an event is it in person and there's also an event happening but that's separate from in person this is a this is a What,
2: what do I have to nail you down on for it to count as in person Hmm. for... Like, is there like is there anything they could do? So, under the parameters that we know right now, i.e. developers in press are going to the event in two weeks' time,
0: uh-huh. right? Yes.
2: Is there anything that's going to convince you that it's in person, i.e. if, like, at the event, Tim Cook was there in person shaking people's hands?
0: Does uh, that count? That doesn't count unless it's streamed as part of the keynote presentation. Especially, you know, I'm not even sure I'm, I want to give you, like, the intro and outro. I mean, like, in between, in between slides, in between, like, sections, you know? You want to see, like, audience reactions in the video? I want to see Tim uh, Tim Sweeney. I want to see Tim Sweeney on stage demoing... Tim Sweeney? <laughs> Tim- no, we don't want Tim Sweeney. <laughs> demoing the new uh, Unreal Engine on the Apple VR headset. Fortnite is back on the yeah. app store. Yeah. That's... You know, Tim Sweeney. If Tim Sweeney's in the audience, it's an in-person event. Otherwise, no. No. Even if they do the intro, in, like, live and show all the audience, they're not going to count. I don't think they're going... Well, I don't know if they're going to do
2: that. I don't know. You don't think they're going to, like... Do you remember, was it like, it was like the first time, I think it was the iPhone 10 event. Yeah. Where they, before like the, the keynote started, they showed the video of people arriving and 95 Max Jordan Khan was in the video, right? We saw him. I can't imagine that this is their first, they're two years out of, you know, COVID rubbish. I think they're going to be like, and we're also joined by the, thou, you know, the thousand developers and student winners, blah, 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 like clap, 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 clap. here's a shot of that and they'll cheer or whatever. I think that's 100% going to happen
0: i don't know i don't know and and, and you really have to qualify two years out of covid rubbish because you know i mean they've they've pushed back on the return to work not because they're more generous these days but because of case numbers so we'll see you know what i mean what what they have changed though is is that if you're at the quote-unquote in-person event you need to wear a mask when indoors and that wasn't a requirement before this past week um so uh and you have to i think take a Take a test the day before. The day
2: before, whereas before it was three days before. Yeah, right?
0: so they've tightened that up a little bit as response to case numbers going up, um, which is totally reasonable.
2: I, I will give you, Zach, I don't think they're going to be in Steve Jobs' theatre anymore. Okay. Like, that's too enclosed for... Because they say masks are required when indoors. Yes. Um. So my... And not nothing against like mask wearing and stuff, I think you should wear masks, but... If they're going to say that, then that behooves them to make as little as the day's event indoors as possible. I.e. they're probably watching somewhere on grass. <laughs> so that's like they do like an outdoor thing.
0: That's weather related. Uh, Unless
2: it's yeah, I guess if it rains then they'll all be, we'll be in the developer center, probably. Yeah, but,
0: hmm, we'll see.
2: Yeah, I, I the way that it was worded, don't inspire confidence that they're going to be seated in the indoor, fully underground, enclosed Seajos Theater. Mm hmm they might get to like tour it or like maybe there's like demo you know like the the steve jobs demo room thing that they have that they used to use for like normal events and it would just be across the hall maybe they do that again and like you because because i feel like if you're going all the way over there they're gonna have to give you some some juice to make it worthwhile they're not like mean and they'll just make you go and sit on the grass while that happens you you get Um, you get get swag you get you get free airpods you get a you do get free airpods yeah yeah, AirPods Pro,
0: not just AirPods. AirPods Pro.
2: Basically what I'm saying is they're gonna be some sort of hardware or soft like if they're gonna announce hardware, they'll even if they're not gonna let you like try it, they'll have it in like glass boxes for you to like Google at from the from from somehow.
0: The, the, like, have, like, uh, do you remember the you remember the twenty thirteen Mac Pro and they had it mm-hmm. in, in Apple stores, like I don't know, there was one in New York I was at and they had the um the shell lifted off version on display and you could see all the innards of the Mac Pro. That that counts. That, that that that's that would be cool to see if there's something like I that reckon to show. I
2: think they've already said that the Mac Pro is for another day, right? Yeah. That was the last event. Yeah,
0: and this this would be another day. It would be This would be another day. It, isn't that day, it so is day. the
2: developer event of the year. Yes. And the Mac Pro does not have any pressure to be released as soon as it's announced mm, because no. it's a very low volume product. I, a hundred this is this is very, very likely they will sneak peek the new Mac Pro, even if it's just this is what it looks like and it's coming at the end of the year. And then you walk out onto the grass or you go into the developer center or you go wherever you're going is a one in-person people and it's sitting there, either encased in glass or just sitting there on the table for you to like be like, Hey, that looks cool. That that feels like an almost sure bet.
0: Every every Mac uh product announcement though has to begin with, the majority of it being about the processor though, so they'll have that if they show the, the design at all. Yeah, I think they could announce the M2 architecture. Or they could even release an M2 Mac Mini, then you could buy that instead. (laughs) Uh, They have developer tours, options, so you you have to choose ahead of time. But if you're going to the in-person event, as you call it, then uh, you can choose between touring the hills of Apple Park, outdoors, the fitness center at apple park so the the nice fancy nice equipment apple park gym with, with presumably with gym kit integration that, that were, were possible
2: uh you don't get to use the gym you just get to look at it <laughs> I mean, or you can go to the cafeteria and, and to yeah. be clear that's not the apple fitness plus gym that's in la
0: yeah yeah that's that's just yeah so it, it they do show it sometimes though that you know when they're they're showing uh someone like with a bunch of equipment on, on a treadmill, like a mask. And yeah. All, they've, they know.
2: talked about like doing like heart studies and stuff there before. Yeah. And done little tours
0: for price and yeah, stuff. That's, yeah. that's where they spent five years investigating sleep tracking to give you a general idea of how you slept over the last week. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you, you get a, you get a, you can tour the hills of Apple Park, which seems kind of nice. I mean, it's outdoors. Mm-hmm. You get to go places you probably couldn't go otherwise. Uh, and I think that's probably the highest in demand, but not everyone can do the same tour because of crowd size management, I suppose. And so the other the two are the gem or Cafe Max, which was uh, Cafe Max, which I guess is inside Apple Park. But Cafe Max is inside, yeah. yeah. But I think there's many of them inside. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know.
2: Um, I think there's no. I think they have they have many cafes, but there's only one Cafe Max, Max and that's okay. the one that's got the huge double doors like inside the ring, yeah, and like 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 ceiling to floor big glass doors that open up. Yeah, be careful of that. However, that glass, by the way. what I would point yeah. out is why would you pick the Cafe Max tour when at lunchtime, the lunch is at Cafe Max because they released a schedule for the day. Is 7 a.m. check-in, 7 a.m. developer center open house, 8 a.m. breakfast at Cafe Max, keynote viewing at Apple Park. They do not specify the venue. i.e., Is it going to be inside, outside, wherever we go? That's at 10 a.m. Then you have lunch at Cafe Max at 12. Then you have the 1 p.m. Uh, platform State of the Union. So that's like the developer video, right? Then you have meet the teams. At two thirty, that's when that's when Tim Cook's going to come out and shake your hand. That's just my interpretation of that one. And then you have the tours of Apple Park Hills Fitness Center area, Cafe Max. Why would you pick Cafe Max? You've been there twice that day.
0: Maybe if you left your AirPods there earlier and you want to go back. <laughs> you, like Cafe uh, kind of, I, I think it's like the if you if the other ones are filled up, that's all you have to
2: choose. Yeah,
0: that's the that's the um,
2: booby trap option. <laughs> yeah. I would pick Apple Park Hills out of those three options if I was going.
0: Me too. Me too.
2: Yeah. Because fitness, I don't really care what the gym I know what the gym looks like. I don't really need to see it. The Apple Park Hills, you might get to see some architecture and walk around the ring a
0: bit and see oh, like the like parts that's a that you... cool experience anyway. Just yeah. your outdoor that's all, cool. all hippy dippy, you know.
2: <laughs> part. And then finally, they have the Apple Design Awards at half past four. Yeah. That's the schedule for the day.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. More of an more of an in person event than last year. Pretty in person. Yeah. More than the year before, and I mean, if
2: if you were comparing to a, a normal keynote, you normally the in person keynote is only the keynote at ten a.m. Now you
0: get an entire day. Yeah, the in person gotta gotta in-person. make it worth a while. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, hmm. I would go fast. I would. I would. Well, if I
2: lived in America, I'd probably go. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not, probably I, think, exactly. I think I'm
0: closer to you than California.
2: Yeah, you'd go fast, right? I, yeah, I, I would understand. go fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd go in person. My inbox works.
0: The developer center would be cool to see what they like did you see uh i think michael steber you know from, from a colleague he had discovered on instagram where someone i think it was instagram where someone had like checked in to the developer center and they posted a photo of what looks like the the doorway to go in like the welcome to the developer.
2: yeah and it has like developer center written on
0: it yeah, right yeah. and there's like a mac from the pre-apple silicon era on the front end. <laughs> Yes.
2: <laughs> Look, developers still have to make sure their software's compatible with Intel. So yeah, yeah.
0: it's just a test. It's just a test. I mean, if, right. it's, if, if it's being used as a kiosk, you know, and just to check you in, Intel can handle that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so yeah, like we're not going. Still cool. I think it's cool regardless. I'm obviously we're obviously most excited to actually see the keynote announcement mm-hmm. stuff, and we'll do predictions and some wish list stuff uh, in next week's episode. But it's exciting as Apple gradually transitions back to
0: uh a fully in-person uh w yeah and you know i'm all for remote work but if i was in you know if i had a nice office like apple park and you know it's, it's personal choice but man i mm-hmm. you know never never had a nice office like that i would go fast yeah <laughs> uh lastly we're going to talk about uh dinosaurs prehistoric planet ha is is being released this week it's a five-night event although i guess you could watch it in the morning and uh <laughs> man
2: it looks yeah, good. yeah technically the episodes come out at a.m. am yeah in Britain,
0: so. <laughs> but man it looks good it looks it's re- good yeah yeah it is i good. mean I'll, I'll, the it's like planet earth is, you know you got david Attenborough. uh how do you say his name david atten attenborough. attenborough yeah narrating um he's even in the intro on every episode it's in the style of if it was like actually a documentary of, of filmed footage and i think mo- i think much of it is film footage of the landscapes but, yeah, but they are so. It's almost like they took the aerial screensavers and then yeah. put CGI dinosaurs in them. Yeah, you know? <laughs> and the dinosaurs are so good; like it's so compelling in terms of like you know if it convinces you, <laughs> it's yeah. Like-,
2: like, and I've seen some reviews. Like, I think The Verge had a title which was like, "Prehistoric Panic looks so real you'll forget they're not real dinosaurs," or something to that effect. Like, if you pause on any particular frame, they they are very evidently cgi dinosaurs that aren't actually there right um but they do look really really good and yeah. when they're in motion they're animated really well you really do suspend your disbelief about it and you get engrossed do they look does the cgi look as like high-end as like the best hollywood movies probably not but it's not it's not so far away like it's close and this and some people were laughing because tim cook like uh or well, not laughing but you know like conf- a bit puzzled why uh Tim Cook had, like, tweeted about Prehistonic Planet as, like... He, like, did it last week. He's like, this is a dynamite launch, oh, yeah. it, like, that yeah, kind of joke. Yeah. The reason they're making a big deal is they spent a lot of money on it. Like, Sorry. this is... This is, you know, it is a a, a, a dinosaur documentary of over across five days. But the amount of CGI that goes into this thing and, like, every single sequence, this is like a... $100 million project, easy, easy. And they've been working it for like three and a half years, and I think they said there's like 1,500 visual effects artists that have worked on this yeah. thing. B- B- BBC's uh, behind it, right? BBC Natural History Unit, yeah. yeah, yeah. Funded by Apple. It would, that's the other thing. Like, it would, BBC Studios is like the commercial arm, so right. that's why it doesn't get shown on the actual BBC TV channels because it's paid for wholly by Apple, but the BBC team. Basically, the same team that makes Planet Earth is making
0: this basically this is why they made apple tv plus is for this moment in time is that good uh, it's a good it's a good project like I, I think it's really good and i hopefully
2: it seems to be doing well so maybe they'll make even more episodes because there's only 5 like so they could easily
0: do different time periods different dinosaurs yeah different subjects i, I it's really cool uh man the the t-rex arms are so cute <laughs> the little short arms um i think this is probably the first dinosaur related TV of white since the Discovery of Feathers dinosaurs? I don't know what that is. That, well, you, you see in the show they have feathers. Certain, certain ones have feathers. Oh,
2: I thought you made a TV show called the Discovery of Feathers. I was like, what are you on about? <laughs> yeah, since the Discovery of Feathers. Yeah, yeah, I got you now.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah well, well... Oh, I don't... It's at least the first documentary or, like, TV content that shows dinosaurs with feathers. There's been yeah. other stuff because, like, Jurassic World is, like, a big franchise, right? Yeah. And that has many films, but they go... Obviously, they're just they're not trying to be a documentary. Yeah. They're just trying to be an f- entertaining movie. So they have like T Rexes that roar and look scary and stuff. I was like, the prehistoric planet side is trying to go for basically as realistic as possible based on the science. And of course, behaviors are no one can truly know exactly how these things behaved from hundreds of millions of years ago. But they're trying to basically stick to the science as closely as they can. Then they fill in the rest with reasonable speculation based on current animals like the swimming thing and some if if you go on the prehistoric panic page on the app if you go to bonus content they have these like uncovered clips which are like five minute they go more into the science of some of the reasons why like the t-rex swims in the first episode for instance they give you a little explanation about why they depicted it that way
0: yeah, but yeah, it's good. It's it really good. It is very good. And uh, I tweeted after the first episode that I really want to see a dinosaur screensaver now from 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 uh, Apple TV on Apple TV. Mm-hmm. So, I, uh, yeah, hundred percent. Yep, yeah. because it it's like, sometimes I have to check if the screen timed out or on the screensaver because uh, it's it's that level. You know, That's really good. All right, that is the Happy Hour podcast for this week. Uh, thanks to to Jeff Benjamin uh, for joining us in his his new project Sailor. Check out Cellular FM. For that, And um, thanks to our four sponsors, Lumen, New Relic, Collide, and Pillow. And uh, thanks to everyone who supports our sponsors or subscribes to the ad-free version in Apple Podcasts. For $4.99 per month or $49.99 per year, you can get the ad-free version of 9to5Mac Happy Hour. And uh, if you have any feedback for the show, you can email us together at happyhour at 9 maccom You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ApolloZac. That's A-P-O-L-L-O-Z-A-C. And Benjamin, you're on Twitter at... B-Z-M-A-O. And we'll be back next week. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Oh, one more thing. Do you think they're going to No spoilers. Do you think they're going to show the asteroid? No. Is that the finale? No? I don't think so. Okay. All right. Bye, everybody.